Hey folks, it's Jeremy, the host of Blamo. Thanks so much for listening. This is a preview of one of our exclusive shows on Patreon. These are member-supported shows, meaning they only happen because of our incredible members and community. So check out a preview of the episode, and if you like it, consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where we have tons of exclusive Blamo episodes, shows, our amazing Slack group, and we're adding new things for members all the time. If not, no worries, we still love you, and we literally have hundreds of episodes of Blamo all free for you to dive into. Thanks so much. Hello, it's Blamo Extra. First off, thanks so much for the overwhelmingly positive feedback we received from you all on the recent members-only episodes. I'm so glad Rob Lim has joined as a co-host for these pods, and it's been great to hear his perspective in these chats. Rob and I recently spoke with Greg Lelouch, founder of the online menswear boutique No Man Walks Alone and the Slack member. We also discussed Japanese brands, his approach to retail, how retailers have started to get more involved with social justice and mentoring. Greg is a fountain of wisdom, and this was a great talk. So dive in, and I'll see you on the Slack. Oh, somebody's at the door. There you go. It's delivery, it, it's delivery season, you know, yeah. all, the, all the Johns are flowing in, you know. Coming through the door. I hear you. I I bought my, I think I got like my 12th pair of jeans today because not being in New York right now, I'm trying to figure out like, what is the cut of jeans that I really want? Is it like a sugarcane 66? Is it like a 316 CS? Is it, you know, I got Kia's helping me. I got um, Jeremy Smith helping me. I got, and, and I'm like on this, this wild hunt to get this cut of jeans and i feel awful um just like sitting you should and trying you should <laughs> i i do i do feel awful. well because the other thing is too is like uh, some stuff i'll buy like i have this like weird thing in my head where i'm like well i don't want to return it because it's a huge pain and so i'll buy it and then i'll basically not wear it and i'll give it to my little brother or something and it's like when I look at like what I really paid for like a pair of jeans because I had to buy four other pairs that didn't work. Um, yeah, yeah, that yeah. that that's not a solution. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's there's probably a, a a right middle ground somewhere in between, like you know, getting twelve pairs to keep one, and then like <laughs> buy, buying four pairs, paying four pairs to keep one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there, there's 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 something there's something in there. Um, anyway. Right. Actually, I, I want to ask a question, please, um, and not to slow your roll. Um, no, go for it. But what is it about jeans that make them sort of the poster article of like overconsumption? Because like every book that talks about this, like talk about jeans, and I think it probably is because every American has like you know some incredible amount of pairs of jeans. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, Greg, you want you want to step up to the plate on that one? I, I I think it depends on people and what, you know, what you wear on a daily basis. You know, for me, when I was working in finance for years, my overconsumption was shirts. Mm. I just wanted to like be able to go like literally like two months without having to worry about, you know, laundry or dropping stuff up at, at the laundry. So I had way overconsumption of shirts. I would go to, to call, you know, Sego and like have like, you know, five of the same shirt made every time and so it was a little bit ridiculous but then if you're dressed in jeans or if you tend to have a more casual um dress code then yeah you you want different washes and you want different 
uh, different cuts to go with different shoes, you know, who's going to wear the same cut of, of jeans with boots and, you know, some, some Air Maxes. No one, no one should do that. So, uh, you know, that, that, becomes the, that becomes the conundrum is that, you know, okay, supposedly jeans is your uniform, your daily wear, but you know you can't wear the same color, shape, uh, and weight of jeans every time you wear a pair of jeans. So you multiply. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Like for me, I have jeans that these are like my sport coat jeans, you know, that I can wear with some loafers, that I can wear with like a lower vamp or profile sneaker. Um, so it's a wider leg, it's a higher rise. But like that doesn't look great if I'm just wearing like a t-shirt. Or something like that. And then there's obviously different weights and then, yeah, different washes. But I, I'm now, you know, like, I love, like, getting, like, stupid obsessed over things that are just totally don't matter. I mean, that's why clothes are so great. And in the sense that, like, I was like, well, I want all the fades in the jeans that I wear from now on to be fades that I made. And I'm like, what? What the, like, what does that even mean? It's so stupid. But I'm like, that. that is, that's really what I want. So... And the problem, I blame the internet and Instagram and Styleform and everything else because I see these, you know, people that are wearing their jeans that are four <clears throat> years old or 10 years old or you got like Ethan Newton, you got like all these guys and the, the jeans look amazing and you realize that um, it's also their body in that, you know. And so my body in a warehouse lot 800 or a 316, you know, ct or or something like that it's just it doesn't look the same as ethan's or as any you know any other person and so i keep buying them thinking that i'll get this other one and it'll be the right one you know it's just like dior jeans right like you buy dior jeans like way back in the day and you're not super skinny and you're not wearing the shoe and you don't have the tiny shirt and the skinny arms you don't look that way but you'll buy another pair because maybe you will yeah yeah, and also, I mean, I think what's interesting about jeans is there's very few categories of clothing that um, really mold to your body, basically. You know, pair of gloves, you know, once you break them in, they're exactly yours. You know, leather shoes, when you, break, when you like wear them enough, you know, they become so comfortable that, you know, someone else of the same size putting his foot in it is not going to feel comfortable in it. And so jeans... They're really the only category of pants that are like that. Hopefully, hopefully people don't have like, you know, dress pants. Your fingers are crossed right now. Yeah, that mold to their body and like that become like, you know, that, you know, you you, hopefully people wear dress pants that are comfortable enough to not do that. Um, But, you know, you can say that to a certain extent from like, you know, fully canvas tailoring that, you know, after many, many wears, it really takes the shape of the body, but not to the extent that, a pair of jeans or a pair of gloves would do. So it's, you know, it becomes really personal because you, when you wear them, it just has your shape in it. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to jump to the beginning here because we right. went almost to the middle at first, <laughs> but this is why we do podcasts because they're great. Um, Greg the, beginning? The, 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 the founder of No Man Walks Alone, the like, yeah, I mean, you're one of the, the, one of the lore per- people of style forum. I mean, you <clears throat> like pioneered so much of what it means to be a business owner in the menswear space, especially in this current day and age in terms of 
you know, all of the output that you've been doing with social justice, with uh, cultivating your audience. And it's, you know, I don't, there are very few people ever that I've met that when I tell them about No Man Walks Alone, that they don't become obsessed with it down the road. Because like you also, and you yourself, I mean, we're talking, you have a t-shirt on, you have what it appears to be the Ame Yankees hat. Um, There it is. Like you're, you also, with what you wear, you show people that you can wear an entire range of a wardrobe and still be yourself. And I think like with menswear that are always, with men who are always wrestling with like what their identity is, including yours truly, like you can, sh- you show people that you can wear anything and everything and still be you. So I'm super, super stoked you're here. You're also a guy on the slack, which is a big deal. Um, because you, you kind of pop in on occasion and drop these massive knowledge bombs. And then everyone's chatting for like two hours afterwards and trying to figure out what the heck just happened. One of those things we'll jump in is about Japanese retail. And we, we had talked about this a little bit on when, when, uh, when Derek was on and just like our, our idea of it. But if you could kind of quickly explain what No Man Walks Alone is for people who don't know it and some of the brands that you have, because many of those are they're Japanese brands. Yeah. So um, No Man Walks Alone is a boutique. Basically, um, we consider ourselves as, you know, trying to be an online version of, um, you know, your favorite boutique that you love to drop by every Saturday afternoon. I mean, I, I used to like drop by Odin every Saturday religiously, you know, even though 80% of what was there, I saw the previous week, but there's a little little bit of new stuff and, you know, you just want to like, you know, get a feel for what's going on. Um, Odin was the menswear shop in New York. Yeah. yeah, and that was that was my favorite shop in New York. Um, but that that's the objective here is to create a boutique that doesn't <clears> sell <throat> too much stuff that doesn't that try to like take a little bit of a point of view on <clears throat> values when it comes to like clothing, uh, and, but uh, take a point of view, an aesthetic point of view that's varied enough for people to feel like they can you know build a, a closet that represents the different facets of who they are. So it's not, we're not just a tailoring shop. We're not just, we're not a streetwear shop. We're not a place that sells only heritage stuff. We just, the filter through which we select the brands and the products that we work with are uh, filters that are more like value-based, you know, how of stuff mm. made, you know, what kind of transparency is there and like, you know, the 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 manufacturing processes, uh, the, the, um, the materials that are used, uh, and you know, do we like um, those people? Uh, typically, the brands we work with are pretty small brands, um, and we there's a there's a little bit of a connection there, um, you know, as a small retailer and being able to represent uh, the point of view and the vision of like smaller uh, manufacturers. So that's what no man is like there's sorry there's no elevator pitch for no man no trying, it's fine trying to yeah, think about it since 2012 i was trying to think about what the elevator pitch is but there isn't one it's just uh it's just a it's just hostile uh, for me it's a second career so i i um, yeah because you were in the finance world before then right yeah I, I was in finance for many years before uh and you know after the 
after the financial crisis, you know, you, you saw, you know, New York Times articles about people like leaving finance to bake bread, and, you know, you know, become yeah. <laughs> cobblers. And, you know, so, you know, that was my, my finance midlife crisis is to leave finance to do something that I, I like. And as you say, I'm, I, I've been very active in, in forums and stuff in particular for many, many years before that. And it was natural for me to like try to, um, you know, create an online uh, universe and space that reflects the values that I saw in that community. Um, so that's how No Man uh, came about. Yeah. And we do, we do sell... I think because we are very, uh, you know, focused on makers, people who make one thing and one thing well, uh, and usually makers don't make, ma you know, multiple things that like a knitwear maker is not going to make shoes. So uh, we don't focus so much on collections. Uh, it mean, that means that we have um, maybe 50 or 60 different makers in the store. That maybe sounds like a lot, but um, really isn't because... Um, uh, all of them are really specialties. So we may end up with four or five brands that make neckties and, um, you know, three or four brands that only make knitwear. Uh, but when you look at it, it's a very uh, narrow and, you know, I'm not going to use the word curated, I promise. Uh, even highly selected, you know, hand-picked. Uh, Almost assortment. curated. Almost. <laughs> I say it without <clears throat> saying it. Um, it's not so, pejorative. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's a little bit overused, but um, it's it's really there's three of us here who buy everything, and we uh, love everything that we buy, and we have absolutely no obligation because there is no one above us that says you have to like sell two thousand you know blue shirts. We have no obligation to buy anything. Uh, anything that we buy and sell is because we really love it, and that's uh, if we're able to pass on that information to the customer who comes into the store and feels that, you know, everything uh, went through that filter, I think we've, we've done an okay job. And to answer your question on Japanese brands, yeah, we, we, uh, we buy stuff that are typically, uh, there's a lot of stuff from Italy, just a, a great place just to find like quality uh, men's product for sure. Uh, and then we have several brands like Captain Sunshine or Niche or, um, you know, Blurms or, you know, Kamoshita that are like Japanese brands that are really good at what they do. Um, and, um, and so we're always really excited to, uh, to represent them in the store. A lot of those brands um, came into the U.S. market through us. Um, you know, not all of them, but uh, a lot of them really didn't have an export business they didn't have a u.s business mm -hmm. but we uh, we met with them in tokyo and we like tried to you know um tell them that they should like think about exporting their stuff <laughs> that they should think about making like you know a size that's bigger than like a us 40 for example or you know because the different different sizes of guys here uh in north america so working with them to kind of create um a north american <clears throat> business for them through us and then eventually they find other retailers and you know they become a little bit more they, they're able to extend on their own yeah yeah that's but, awesome um, yeah we love we love um there's there's nothing specific i'm not going to say we love japanese brands sounds like silly there's nothing specific about like being located in japan that makes a brand good it's just that um 
just like they are in other places of the world. Um, some designers are extremely uh, precise and focused and have like a, a, a taste level that's um, that I, I think was built on years of understanding of Americana and tailoring and things like that, uh, that mix into a vision for clothing that um, I feel is what a lot of guys want to wear. Uh, that is um, that has the precision of tailoring uh, in a certain way, but that has the softness of uh, sportswear, uh, and um, that is very very fabric centric typically. So it, you, you end up with just either things that would be like elevated basics, which is mm-hmm. you know a concept that uh, is unfortunately you know again overused. But you have like just like a really amazing you know, sweatshirt, like some of the sweatshirts we get from EKG, it's just, you you can't understand it until you put it on. It's the opposite of, of a camber, uh, you know, super heavy, super hard sweatshirt. Right. It's got yeah. like, it's, it's, it's like wearing a little cloud or something, but it looks, you look at the picture, it looks like a sweatshirt, but, um, so it's, they, 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 they adapt and they, they take, um, inspiration from various places. Uh, look at a guy like Mushita. His inspirations come from Ivy and Florentine tailoring, and yeah, all Huge and like mo- guy. yeah, yeah, movies and um, the retro style and all of those things into one, and it ends up being awesome. So I agree with the uh, statement you made that there's nothing necessarily unique about you know a Japanese brand as opposed to a brand from somewhere else, but. Um, I do sort of think that the barriers, uh, for some reason, for brands to just catch on outside of Japan are higher for whatever reason. I was wondering if you might have any perspective on that. Yeah. Well, I think it all comes down to... Want to hear the rest? Join us over on Patreon. You'll hear this episode in tons more exclusive pods. From the return of Sid Mashburn, Michael Hill of Drake's, Chris Gibbs of Union, Ilaria Urbanati, we got it all. You also get access to our private members-only Slack group where we chat about menswear and a bit of everything. So visit patreon.com forward slash blammo and we'll see you there.